0: this morning. We are in the second week uh, of our series called More Than. More than Christmas. More than what we maybe have come to expect. Last week, Todd talked about uh, Jesus being more than the Jews expected. More than the Messiah that they were looking for. More than they could have asked for or imagined. This week, we're looking at more than just a good story. And so there are lots of elements to the story we're about to read that may be familiar to us from other stories where we're like, oh, yeah, I know that. I've heard that before. And we may subconsciously, inadvertently kind of put this Christmas story into a category of other stories we know. And so I'm just going to look at a few of the, the features of this story and, uh, and we're going to look at those together and see how just how unique and how much more than those stories this Christmas story is. So we're going to jump right in and read this story from Luke 1. The angel appearing to Mary. In verse 26 it starts, in the sixth month, and that's the sixth month of Elizabeth, Mary's relative being pregnant. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So let's pray for our morning. Heavenly Father, this is a a familiar story to many of us. So I pray you would speak to us this morning through your word, Lord. You would, by your spirit, communicate to our minds and hearts about your glory, about who you are, Lord, and about who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So lots of features that I think might be familiar, but this is more than any of the stories that we know. This is more than just a good story. The first feature is, is the messenger, right? And in this story is the angel. The angel comes and delivers this momentous news out of nowhere, and the whole story is changed, right? Now this is something that maybe we are familiar with from fairy tales, where out of nowhere, some, someone appears and brings this news. So think of a, a Christmas carol, right? The uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, right? He's not treating Bob Cratchit right. He's, he's, you know, a penny pincher. He's a miser, whatever. And the ghost of Jacob Marley comes up, and he gives him this out-of-the-blue news, right? A ghost, of course. Like, that happens all the time. Everybody's used to this. Uh, Or think of uh, Beauty and the Beast, right? The the old woman who's really this powerful sorceress comes to his door and, you know, the prince is living his best life. He treats her rudely. He sends her away. He doesn't help her. And then, you know, she curses his castle, curses his cows, curses him. Everybody's cursed. And the story changes completely from there. Or uh, the owls. Uh, Harry's owl, uh, Harry Potter, you know, he's, he's, uh, he, he's living his worst life, if you've seen the movie, under the, under the stairs uh, at the Dursleys' house. And, and then all of a sudden, all these messages come, and, and the owls are delivering the messages that let Harry know he's supposed to go to school at Hogwarts, right? These are fairy tales. These are made-up stories. They're supposed to be fantastic and extraordinary but I'm afraid when we hear an angel comes that we put it into this category and we say, oh, yeah, that's not weird. Remember Ebenezer, you know, Jacob, uh, Jacob Marley came to him, right? Oh, yeah, it happens. But this is, this is real life. What we just read is history, not fiction. And that an angel would appear to this young girl. Who might be more likely? I was thinking this week, you know, if, if we were trying to create the story that, that might be more, you know, feel more like history. Feel more like, oh, yeah, yeah, that could happen next door. You know, maybe it's a prophet. One of those weird guys that eats bugs and lives out in the desert. Maybe he comes and delivers the message to Mary and says, hey, you're going to have this baby and it's going to be amazing and it's going to be from God. Then we would read it and we would say, oh, yeah, okay, God does that. Or maybe it's, it's the magi from the east. They come and, uh, and they tell Mary what's about to happen. Any of those, we would think, oh, yeah, that's, we wouldn't maybe necessarily immediately put it into that fairy tale category. My favorite is, what if mute Zechariah has to deliver the news? Okay, so if you don't know the story, at the beginning of Luke 1... He is in the temple in the holiest place in all of the Jewish religion, the Holy of Holies. One time a year, one priest gets to go in there and burn the incense in front of the altar of God. And Zechariah, Mary's cousin, gets to do it that year. So he goes in there. He's in the holiest place that they know of. And an angel appears to him. And he's like, I'm not sure you're really an angel. I'm not sure you're really from God. How do I know? And he doesn't respond well. And so the angel strikes him mute. Now imagine Zechariah has to go tell Mary. Think of the drama that would be in the story if a mute guy has to go to Mary and tell her, hey, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get pregnant though you're not married and have not been with a man, and uh, it's going to be God's baby. It's going to be fully God and fully man. And and Zechariah has to tell the whole thing through charades. (laughs) And then every year we commemorate this thing by by playing charades as a family in our house, and it's a big deal. I'm very glad God did not do the story this way. All these things we could think of that would be quote-unquote normal life, you know. But God chose the actual messenger, the actual one who brought this news is an angel. An angel with a name. Lest we think this is just a a spirit, an apparition like the ghost of Jacob Marley. This is a, a person, but a person unlike what we know. Who just appears to her and yet stands. We learned from earlier in the chapter, he stands in the presence of God. Remember Moses, God, he wanted to see God's face. And God said, You, you can't. Your physical body cannot withstand it. You would die. But this present, this angel stands perpetually, continually in God's presence. And that's the honor that Mary is given as he comes to deliver this message. This is, short of it being God himself, this is a messenger like no other. And this is not a fairy tale. This is real life coming to this young woman who is not at all expecting it an angel Gabriel was sent from God to the little backwater nowhere nothing town in this tiny little country to give a very specific life changing world changing message to Mary and then the next feature is the baby Right, And Christmas is all about this baby. The angel answered her. She says, how is this going to happen? And he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And again, we have, we have lots of stories. We hear stories all the time, whether they're on audio books or they're, on, they're made into movies or we're actually reading a book which I know is, is horribly passe, and I don't know. Maybe, maybe no one does that anymore. But there are these things called books that people read. And there are all kinds of stories about sons of God, sons and daughters of God. And we could, if we're not careful, just kind of lump Jesus into this category. Um, children of the gods, like demigods from, from Greek mythology, right? Hercules. Hercules. If you ever? Maybe you never read the book, but you saw the Disney cartoon, right? Hercules is not not that great of a character. He's not someone we would aspire to be. He's he's ruled by his passions. He makes all kinds of mistakes. He's not God. He's like a super super person. He's like a super book, like a comic book hero. Uh, uh, he's a. Larger-than-life character. Um, my kids read these uh, Percy Jackson books. Percy Jackson is just, he's a normal teenager. He's a kid, but then he finds out, no, he's the son of Poseidon, an immortal woman. And, but he's just a kid. He's a teenager. He doesn't have any special powers. And then, you know, he, he learns what they are, whatever. Uh, but he's not, he's not God. He's like this less-than kind of super kid. Or Wonder Woman, who is the in, the, in the stories, the daughter of Zeus and a, and a mortal woman. Um, we have these stories in our culture that swirl around from movies or from comic books or whatever, and we think, oh yeah, this is normal. But this baby that we celebrate at Christmas is anything but normal and way better than any of these things. It's funny, as I was looking uh, at at just all the different comic book people and heroes, you know, they all have their vulnerabilities. All these comic book heroes, as cool as they are. And one of the writers said, yeah, none of them are perfect, because that would be boring. No one would read that comic book. We're going to look at just how amazing perfect looks like. So, the actual son of God. Not the, not the pretend half-half. Not the pretend, you know, uh, God's uh, coming down to earth and, and doing, you know, not that. We have, another, we have another category that doesn't fit into those things. This is 100% God. John tells it this way in his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, Jesus, was with God in the beginning, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God was who created everything, God who was before everything, the God of all creation. The way Paul says it in Colossians, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all. All things hold together for in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Not half-half, not just a, a super guy, no capes, 100% God, and he will be called holy. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, therefore the child to be born will be called holy. Holy. Holy is a word that we don't use unless we're swearing. But it actually means something other than that. Holy is the qualifier most often in the Bible attached to God. More than almighty, more than anything else. Holy. That he is perfect, 100%, spotless, without blemish, separate from everything else in creation because everything else in creation is less than, is imperfect. Even the angels, the angels in heaven who've never sinned, who uh, have never done anything wrong, that angel Gabriel who can stand in the presence of the holy God is not as holy as God because he has the potential he could fall away as Satan did. But God is without blemish, without weakness, to be revered, to be worshiped, and all the people and the things that we call holy are called holy because they're dedicated to God. But notice in the text, he's not called holy because he's going to be dedicated to God. Luke doesn't say, and the child will be called holy because he's going to do all these things to serve God. Notice he says he's going to be called holy because he's going to be born by the Holy Spirit. His very nature, his very essence is holy. He is holy, not only what he does. And so this baby is 100% God, but also 100% human. He rolled up, so this is a little excerpt from when Jesus preached his first sermon back in his hometown, right? Goes to Nazareth, goes to the, the synagogue, he preaches his first sermon, he reads from Isaiah, a text that Todd read us last week, uh, where he says uh, the, the Messiah is, is going to proclaim liberty to the captives and restore sight to the blind and heal the lame. And Jesus rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everybody in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled In your hearing. And everybody spoke well of him and they marveled with gracious words. But then they said, wait a minute. That's Joseph's boy. We know him. We've watched him grow up. He's a regular guy. He can't be the Messiah. He can't be the Savior. He can't be the one. That's Joseph and Mary's kid. 100% they thought this is a normal guy. Then the disciples are out on the Sea of Galilee fishing. A big storm comes up. They're with Jesus, um, but he's asleep on the boat. Behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. So the boat was being swamped with waves. They were afraid they're going to die, but Jesus is asleep. So they go and they wake him up. And he arose and rebuked the winds in the sea, and there was great calm. And the men, the disciples, marveled. What sort of man... Is this that the wind and the waves obey him? They don't immediately say, Oh, well, that's Jesus, he's God. He can do that, you know, he can talk to the waves and they go down. They say, What sort of person? Who does this? Who speaks to the water and it calms down? Nobody does that. But he was 100% human and they were figuring out just who he was. So, human, not an act, not a disguise. He wasn't just play acting the whole time. Ooh, I'm going to really confuse him here on this one. In every respect, the writer of Hebrews says, he was made to be like us and tempted as we are yet without sin. 100% God, 100% human. This is nothing like the stories we know. This is nothing like Greek mythology. This is not Percy Jackson, 100% God, with us, dwelling among us, living with us, and 100% human. And then the third feature is the kingdom. The kingdom that's talked about at the end of this uh, pronouncement by the angel He says the Lord will give to him, to Jesus, the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. This long awaited king. Now, the prophet Nathan had told David. Here's what God God has to say to you. God has a promise for you, David. This is about a thousand years before Jesus. Jesus. And through Nathan, this is the promise that God gives to David. David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, when you're dead, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Amen. God gives David this promise a 1,000 years before Jesus. Now, if you're living in David's time and you hear Nathan give this prophecy, give this announcement, your kingdom is going to last forever. And in only two generations, David, Solomon, and then it's broken. You might, like, uh, like one of my favorite characters in a movie, you might say, that John Denver, he didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> or, or Nathan, the, in this case, the prophet, that prophet Nathan, he did not know what he was talking about. Because Solomon comes along one kid later, and the whole thing's a mess. The kingdom gets divided in two uh, about 300 years after that. The north is taken into exile, 600 BC, the south is taken into exile. There is no kingdom. They're all kind of torn up and and living all over the place in these other kingdoms. They're allowed to return in 450. But as Jesus, as, as Luke is writing about Jesus, Rome is currently ruling them. There's still no kingdom, even though they're back in the land. And they've been waiting a thousand years. Think of how patient we are. With the things that we believe God is going to do. A thousand years they have been waiting for this kingdom to be restored. That one of David's offspring would initiate this kingdom that would last forever. That would have no end. And they thought it would be Solomon. They hoped. And then broken. And then they thought maybe, if it's not the north, maybe it'll be Judah and it'll be preserved here. Broken, 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 broken. They get carted off into exile. Broken. But God was faithful to his promise. This kingdom is not like any fairy tale kingdom. You know, all the fairy tales end with happily ever after, right? Nobody ever imagines that it's ever after. It's just till they die, right? And they lived happily until they died. It's not ever. It's not forever after. This is forever after. This is not like any of those other stories. He will give him the throne of his father David and of this kingdom, of Jesus' kingdom. There will not be an end. So, more than just a good story. And here's where I, I want us to, uh, to, to just soak in what Christmas is and what Christmas means. The God of the universe. As best we can conceive of that, the God who created everything, the God who was before anything else and is the cause of everything else, made himself known. That is Christmas. So whatever prevents us, you know, whether it's the stories we know or it's other things. Whatever prevents us from spending time in this will prevent us from really celebrating Christmas. I'll tell you what it is for me. I love reading. I love you know, maybe too much the the minutiae of the story, right? Well, where was Mary when the angel talked to her? Were her parents home? Did she live with her parents or was she on her own? Uh, Who was around? Did they hear? Did they see the angel? Did she tell them? Did she tell anyone but Joseph? These are things I want to know. Or, or this hypostatic union, right? This union of God and man, fully God and fully man. How does that work exactly? What did the church fathers say about that? What did the reformers say about that? I want to know. And I can get so wrapped up and make it a, a homework assignment that I miss this, the God of the universe The God who created me, who created you, wants to be known by us. That's why he came. That he would be known, that he would make himself known. Now, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's not, you know, the church fathers. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's the busyness. Or maybe it's the the parties. Or maybe it's... Just the the goodness of the season. But whatever it is, we don't need to throw all those things away, obviously. But we need to prioritize them. We need to put them beneath remembering the God of the universe. The honor befitting the message. The God of the universe was born as a child, as a baby. So that we might know him in a personal, in an intimate way. So he made himself known through the angel that we might see who this God is. He made himself known through this poor young girl and her faith. Lord, I am your servant. May it be done to me as you have said. I trust you. The two miraculous pregnancies. This doesn't happen. Biologically, this is not possible. He made himself known through this baby, through the kind of man this baby would be. He made himself known through all that that baby would go on to be and to do. He made himself known through that 1,000-year-old promise. If we doubt God's faithfulness, if we're tempted to say, well, well, he didn't answer today. Maybe he doesn't care. A 1,000-year-old promise, his faithfulness, and all the new promises through Jesus. I'm the light of the world. I'm the bread of life. I have water to drink that if you will just try it, if you will just accept this water that I offer you, it will become like a stream of living water in you that never ends. So what does that mean for us? The first thing I hope that it means is that we are loved more than we can imagine or appreciate. That the God of the universe would step out of the glory of heaven, the majesty of heaven, step out of being able to do anything at any time, all the time. Step into time and not be recognized as God Though he's still 100% the God he was in heaven, no one recognizes it. Because he loves us. He loves and wanted to make himself known. Second thing I hope it means for us is that nothing is impossible for God. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. I hope we read Mary's response and say, I want to respond like that. Whatever the situations, whatever the circumstances in our life, I want to be able to respond like Mary. Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I have no idea what this is going to mean for my life. But you are the God of creation. May it it be done to me just as you say. We are meant to respond to this story. All the other stories I talked about, you know, Hercules and Percy Jackson and the Beauty and the Beast and the Christmas Carol, whatever. You just take it or leave it. You know, you buy the mug on your way out if you want to or you don't. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. This one, it matters. We are meant to respond to this story. If the God of the universe genuinely became a baby that he might be known by us, He wants to be known. And that requires of us that we respond. Mary's response, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. May that be our heart. Lord, whatever you want done. So how do we respond? My hope this week, next week, I know we're calling it, you know, it's called the Christmas story, right? But this story doesn't end at Christmas. This God who wants to be known, we have all year, we have every day to pursue him. And no matter how long you've been pursuing him, I can assure you this, you haven't found everything. You don't know it all. He's bigger than you imagine. He's bigger than you think. We can pursue this God who wants to be known for the rest of our days and for eternity and still not know it all. So whatever that looks like for you in Christmas, pursue the God who wants to be known. His character is revealed in this story. You don't have to wait for Sunday morning to hear the story. You've got books that have the story in them. Just that we would pursue him. That we would respond to his initiative and pursue him. That we would trust his love and faithfulness in stretching situations. Our life may not get turned upside down like like Mary's was turned upside down at Christmas. That may not be this Christmas for us. But whatever we're going through, whatever challenges, whatever stretching, that we might be able to trust his love and faithfulness. Looking at this story, looking at what he's done, looking at his intent, we might be able to trust. That we might seek out the encouragement of others who have experienced him. It's why we get together on Sunday mornings. To share, to celebrate together, to be encouraged by one another who know this Jesus, who know what he is like and who rub off on us, who share with us, who tell us, remind us what this baby is like, what this baby went on to do, what this God is like. We need that encouragement. We need those reminders. And then we just get to share this more than with anybody God brings in our our path. He's more than the shopping. He's more than the stories. He's more than the events and the fun and the goodness and the peace that people feel at this season. He's more. And we know it. And we get to share it. So that is my hope for us this this season and beyond. This season and beyond. That we would recognize this story is not just a story. It is real life, the real God of the universe coming into our world and changing us and changing it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you left the glory of heaven, that you sent Jesus, Lord, To be unrecognized, to be unappreciated, to live a life in obscurity. To be born in this tiny little town. Lord, you did it so that we might know you. So that we might know your character. So that we might know your love. Lord, would you help us not only to pursue you, Lord, but to respond to respond to your love to embrace it to celebrate it to want more of it to want to know more of it and to want to share it with others lord only you can change our hearts only you can uh, do the impossible so lord we just we trust you we lean on you and uh, and we thank you in jesus name amen